Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of family and children's discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Good afternoon, Ben. How are you doing today? Oh, doing okay. Doing okay. Trying not to melt outside with this Georgia heat and humidity. It has been oppressive lately. Yeah. How about absolutely. you? So, I'm doing well. So, uh, just getting back from my vacation, uh, and uh, it was a great joy to to see your uh, that to see your lackluster face uh, for the first time in about five years, <laughs> in person at least, rather than over yeah. Skype. Yeah, it was great to, to see you actually, you know, a physical uh, person made in God's image and not just see you over digital uh, magic that happens with Skype. So it was. So it was exhausting. It was, it was our whole family had a good time with that. Yes, it was quite exhausting keeping up with our kids wanting to go down the water slides constantly, though. <laughs> or my youngest one screaming because he couldn't because he was too small. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know how that is. So. Uh, but uh, so run yeah, with the big kids. That was uh, quite an excellent experience. So uh, quite a good time bonding. So and I'm really fortunate that um, you know with this vacation that we do that we do every other year that you guys were able to come down on one day of. Uh, this is something I don't really have to discern hard to find out where I'm going to go. Uh, it's organized by Daniel's uh, grandmother uh, and by Daniel's extended family. So uh, there's no finding out what's uh, what's God's will for this and that kind of complex. So I don't have to do any kind, go to any kind of sorcerer to find out where my vacation is going to be every other year. I just uh, go uh, where, where God has blessed and God has provided through them a wonderful vacation opportunity. But we're going to talk about times where it might be a little more complex to find out how you're going to make your plans. What's God's will for your life? Uh, and, uh, and I think this will be a really helpful discussion uh, for us far beyond whether or not we go to one beach or the other. So you're saying you didn't fast ahead of time before choosing uh <laughs> I literally had no part in the choice and I'm quite content with that. So it does know. seem like the Lord led you there, so He did. He <laughs> you certainly provided a great week of vacation. So uh but you know, with talking about God's will, uh but what are some unhelpful ways people try to find God's will for their lives whether it be uh, big things or whether it be where they're going to go on vacation man it can really there just be such a range uh probably some people do some kind of pseudo horoscope thing i i don't know um there's a lot of i think looking for signs and circumstances i remember when i was in high school i wanted a certain thing to happen i was looking King and be like, Lord, okay, if a, if a blue Honda Accord passes me on the road, then I'll know this is what you want me to do. And just, you know, silly stuff like that. Um, another thing, looking for specific Bible verses that may just jump out of the page of, at you or sort of speak to your circumstances, even though you may be taking that out of its context and sort of treating the Bible like a magic book. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, this is actually pretty common, but uh, expecting the equivalent of a direct message from the Lord, you know, like on social media uh, applications, there's you, know, you can DM people and expecting, you know, just about for the clouds to unfurl and the Lord to to say this is what you should do in such and such situation. And uh, I mean, I'm sure there there are others, but um, you know, get into. I don't think any anybody's doing like the pagan thing back in the day where they would you know cut animals open and like track their entrails um but if someone did that i mean i'm sure maybe in certain parts of the world they still are yeah so yeah those are some interesting uh ways he brought up especially the last one quite uh, compelling i don't think any of our listeners should do that <laughs> so i think peter might I've never not tried be happy i don't think peter would be happy you would for sure know what peter's probably not for you. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> they've made that very clear. Yes. Uh, so for me, uh, some interesting ways that I've, uh, unhelpful ways I've known that people have sought God's will. So somebody actually that, uh, I'm friends with on social media, uh, who works for a church, 
she will often cite ways in which she knows that God is speaking to her uh, when she sees butterflies. So she feels like God really speaks and connects her through butterflies. And when she sees butterflies, you know, she knows for sure whatever's happening is from God. Uh, it's almost like some kind of special, like magical illumination. And part of that stems from kind of an extreme form of charismatic theology uh, for her. Uh, but that's kind of like, I mean, if like, you know, if she's on a Bible, ver- if she's reading the Bible, she cited one time uh, where uh, she was reading the Bible and a butterfly happened to land on her Bible outdoors. And it just meant that this was to be her life verse type of deal. So uh, in situations like that. And then, you know, I know of one that's kind of common, actually, is seeing laying out fleeces as a way that we find out to find God's will. Uh, oh, yeah. It's an attempt to be biblical, even though it's unbiblical and unhelpful. Uh, it goes back to Judges. Uh, we're in ju- one of the judges, uh, Gideon, uh, set, out w- uh, set out God's will to kind of challenge God to tell him uh, what God, what his will is for him. And actually, something that uh, if they followed the, the laws of the Pentateuch, actually Gideon should have been killed for that. So uh, for challenging God in that kind of way. <laughs> but some people actually do that. Some people will lay out fleeces to see if they get damp uh, to determine God's will. But I think another one is that's more common, even among young people, would be kind of find, we find God's will through following our heart and whatever we desire, whatever our heart desires is what God's will is for us. Yeah, I think those are some, some good ones that you brought up as well that I, I had not thought of, but that is, oh man, uh, if kind of if it feels good, do it. God, God wouldn't, he wouldn't um, have given me this desire if he didn't want me to do this. Yeah. Uh, nope. Aside from the fact that, you know, the Bible says our hearts are desperately wicked, but, you know, minor nope. detail. It must be really illuminating if your heart leads you to rip open an animal and then uh, then and then you lay out a fleece made out of an animal's carcass and then a butterfly lands on it. That really must be God's will for us. 100%. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, is it possible? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <coughs> we've established some ways that it's not helpful to pursue God's will, but is it impossible for anyone to know God's will for their lives whatsoever? No, I don't think so, at least not generally. Um, the Bible lists a number of things related to God's will, um, but they're not so much what college to choose or who to marry or these kinds of specific situations. Um, I mean, for instance, uh, the Lord, this is your sanctification. This is God's will for you that you be sanctified. And First Thessalonians four three is talking about sexual morality and immorality. First um, Thessalonians five sixteen eighteen. Be joyful always and pray always and give thanks in all things. This is God's will for you. Um, Peter talks about it in First Peter two um, that you cite. This is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing what's good. Um, and I was doing some reading in preparation for this, um, looking to some stuff that D. A. Carson, Don Carson has written, which this is just generally a good practice to at least go see if if Carson has written something on yeah. it. He's just a really <laughs> sharp guy, godly guy. Everything I know, um, but he, he was pointing to a place in the Psalms, I think it's Psalm 143.10, and there's this prayer to the Lord for uh, not just instruction and teach me your will, it's teach me to do your will. There's the assumption that the will has been revealed in the Word, in the covenant, and so teach me to go do it, not just what it is. Um, And so, so much of what God expects of us, that is his what his will is, um, his intentions for us, or at least one way to define it, is is get given to us in his word. And so God is after you know our, our the shaping of our character to become more and more like his son. Uh, but I don't know that I don't think that we should expect that behind the curtain look uh, of all the details. I think that's a great. Uh, what, what, what's your take on it? I think that's a great answer. So, I, I mean, I do know for sure we can know. God's will, and, and and that is through Scripture, like you really cited. I mean, Scripture is inherently uh, God's revelation to all of us. I, I've known some, you know, that have asked, pondered, how can I find God's will for my life, but that are ignoring the Bible. 
But the reality is the Bible mm-hmm. is very much God's will. It is God's revealing himself in a way that other pretend gods don't sometimes uh, to us through his word, his inspired word. Uh, but I will also say, you know, this doesn't mean that the Bible tells us every little thing. I mean, where you go to college, it doesn't tell you, uh, you know, what uh, where you're going to have to for dinner on Monday night. Uh, but I don't think the Bible ever specifically shows us that knowing these specific things from him is impossible. Uh, I mean, I, I might be a little skeptical sometimes, but the Bible never says it's impossible that God's going to in some way illuminate you uh, in a way beyond what the Bible overtly uh, tells us. That's a good point. Not God is God. He can do what he wants. However, to expect you know, just this ongoing, you know, getting constant direct messages from the Holy Spirit all day. I just don't think we're promised that. No. Now, how is this quest relevant to kids? I think it's very relevant. Um, kids start wondering what they should do in general, or they start thinking about the future. Uh, but they, if they can understand this early on and be thinking and be looking how to please the Lord, then that can make a real difference in their lives. Uh, they're not going to be as tuned into that question as someone who's getting ready to graduate high school probably, but helping them to think along those lines. And uh, this was another thing Carson was bringing up, that when we tend to think of the will of God, we tend to think of what is the will of God for my vocation, for my spouse, for my whatever situation, as opposed to it's something outside of me, and it's not just about me, because otherwise we look at it in a very self-centered way instead of a God-centered way. And so helping kids to see that God's will is about God's purposes, Mm. God's agenda, um, and getting them to think like that and go, okay, how can I live a life that pleases him? And so I think that's that's what comes to mind most about how how to instill this in kids and how they're going to be thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, what are your, what's your angle on that? That's good. So, I mean, I think obviously kids aren't going to face a lot of the uh, life decisions apart from the truth that you've really shown, especially that D.A. Carson highlights. Uh, You know, they're not going to be the ones that uh, are going to, they're not going to decide at four years old unless they're an extreme progeny where they're going to college. They're not going to, unless uh, they're the star of a 80s sitcom, they're not going to decide what what medical school they're going to go to at seven years old or, or, you know, what, what medical practice (laughs) they're going to have rather. Uh, but, uh, you know, even, um, even looking at things like houses, uh, we, Danielle and I sometimes watch house hunters and, uh, I remember a house hunters episode where there was like a four year old and they were kind of asking the four year old's decision about what house, what, what's their strong opinion on that. And really weighing that in a democratic way, like maybe that's too much of allowing the <laughs> <laughs> kids to decide, uh, make major decisions like this, but they still do need to understand God's revelation. Um, and I think they need to understand God's revelation, especially of his will in the word, uh, his revelation of how we are to orient our life around him uh, in order to protect them against future error, not just for the situation that they face now, but for the hard decisions that they'll face in the future. Um, but uh, I actually recently I had a situation where a child, an older child, uh, was kind of uh, revealing some of the, the struggles, some doubts that they were having. And they brought up that they were really sad that they felt like when they prayed that God doesn't talk back. And it kind of brought real doubt into their life because uh, they, they want to hear God speak to them. And I think this kind of struggle is exactly why I think children need to understand how God reveals himself, how God reveals his will, and the ways in which He's he is silent on the particulars and why that's okay, you know. Mm, that's good. Yeah, I was speaking to a group of teenagers one time, and I was speaking from Psalm one nineteen, um, and I don't remember the, exactly the the content of because it was only one section of it. And there's a lot of verses in that chapter, but um, I opened up with an article from the Babylon Bee about this guy. You know he. He was praying fervently for God to speak to him, and he he had his Bible there closed on the table. And I read it, and like most of the the teenagers, it was like they were confused. Like the, they they could tell that I was thinking it was supposed to be funny, but they were like, "Wait, what's wrong with that?" Uh-huh. And yeah, it's just it pervades our culture, our evangelical culture. Um, 
at least in America. And it's not just America, but you brought up teens though. So how is this relevant to teens? How is finding God's will relevant to them? Well, they're really starting to ask that question about what to do as they approach adulthood, as they're getting ready to be done with high school, looking at college, working, however that's going to go. And people are asking them that question the closer they get to the, the end of high school. And so they really don't have any choice but to think about it. And so they're also, you know, puberty has hit and they're thinking relationships and this kind of thing. And so I think that it's just a natural thing that's floating around and uh, questions that they're maybe talking to their parents about, people working with them in a church and helping them again to see what is God's will in general, um, but like just how to think about what God's will is and then into the particulars um, because Lord willing, they've got many years ahead of them. But whether they have, you know, none of them know how long, none of us know how long we have, um, helping them to approach that in a way, how can I live a life that's pleasing to God, um, is a really important question. And then that, that shapes the kinds of things that they're thinking about. And there's some stuff we'll get into more, you know, in this discussion about some some concrete things. But Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting because it's really teens, especially in the United States, face some of the most difficult choices of life. Uh, I mean, far more difficult sometimes than a 50-year-old that's established in his career. I mean, the choice of where you're going to go to college, uh, sometimes, at times, older teenagers might find that be facing the decision of who they're who they're going to pursue and a relationship that might last the rest of their lives. I mean, even, I mean, I wasn't a teenager when I, uh, uh, when I started dating my beautiful wife. Uh, but you know, it wasn't long after my teenage years that I started to pursue that and make those big choices. Uh, and you know, because of all that, <laughs> I've read a lot that teenagers struggle with anxiety more than any time in, in American history. And not only is it the case that anxiety disorder, um, that's, are on the rise in teens. They say more and more teens are are um, that uh, are said to have anxiety disorders. But even among those who don't have a disorder, uh, the anxiety is by far on the rise. Even we actually had a time mm -hmm. where we have some uh, opportunities for some teens that really want to dive deeper to meet, and they get to bring up some questions and struggles that they might be having. And anxiety is really one of the first things that they wanted help in battling and discussing. And I thought that was really telling. Uh, and their willingness to kind of show that this is a struggle that almost all teens they feel like have. Uh, but you know, beyond that, beyond even the anxiety thing, I wasn't a teenager that really battled that kind of anxiety as much, I don't think. Uh, but I mean, I was faced with some hard decisions, and I didn't have a biblical understanding uh, of understanding God's will as a teenager. I remember when I was a teenager, I thought that God spoke to me when I got the uh, liver shivers, the, you know, <laughs> when you get a little cold, uh, especially at your neck. So, uh, and because I felt it never happened before I became a Christian. And it may or may not have been the case. Uh, I'm sure if it was the case, it was just a coincidence. And I felt like God was uniquely speaking to me when I, I kind of froze up and got the liver shivers. And so that resulted in me making some decisions in my life that I probably come to regret. I think God has worked through, but decisions that probably weren't wise and may, at least one of them may not have even been honoring to the Lord. Mm. No, that's, um, yeah, I mean, that's telling, but there can be lots of unreliable ways to, to try to discern those things. It might have been a more reliable way of God uh, of God telling me I should have talked to my doctor. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> anyway, so how about families, though? I mean, how does this relate to families who will be listening to this far more than the children and the teenagers? Well, they're shaping the lives of kids, teenagers, and just how the family itself will operate. And so if families kind of get a handle, again, on what God's will is, it's not just about how does it affect me, but what, what is God's agenda in this world and why am, why am I here? How am I a part of that? Uh, I think it can really make a generational impact as they're instilling rhythms and patterns into their life of discipling each other, of worshiping together, serving and evangelizing together. Um, and so 
it's it's very very applicable and helping parents to think about God's will for their child and their teenager, you know, and and how to launch them out into God's world and to fulfill God's will. Um, you know, ultimately, you can't deter, can't make your kid come down with a certain conclusion about something, but you can help them on what to think about. And so just asking them questions um, about, you know, when we're thinking, typically we think about, oh, what, what kind of job should I do and this and that, but just helping them think, okay, how has God made you? And then how can you use that for his glory? And we, I don't remember, we did some episode related, something touched on that, um, helping kids to think about how they could serve him I and mean, just given the, the, the way that they were uniquely created. Yeah. That's good. So, I mean, I, I really like the broad, the, the broad outlook on that. And, but I mean, we do mention things like jobs and that can be such a huge relevant thing for families. Actually, uh, some close friends of ours, uh, have, have been, or even now going through this, a time of trying to find out what God's will is for whether or not, uh, whether or not, uh, one of the members of the family should go from being part-time in their job to being full-time. I mean, it's something that, that is stressful mm. and something that is a hard decision for them to make. And then they want you to know what is God's best will for their situation. Situation. Uh, so I think that shows how relevant that can be for a family because it's not just a to my own enjoyment type decision. This is a decision about how we're going to best raise our family for that couple uh, and things like that. Uh, and I think this, I mean, this becomes relevant uh, from things like where you live uh, to uh, who lives with you. So I think I remember I've read uh, some stuff from some leaders from Capitol Hill Baptist Church, uh, specifically Jonathan Lehman, he's talked about his house search and seeking God's will uh, when he, uh, that one point when he was when he was buying a house near his church and everything. And he kind of he kind of had to pray and he had to think about whether to buy the smaller house that was closer to the church where he felt like he could better be a witness to people and better invite them to church or whether he buys a bigger house that's farther away that requires a long drive that people aren't going to make to visit a church. I mean, it was a hard and stressful decision that they had to make to deter find God's will in. Uh, and I mean, it even impacts um, another a pastor I know of uh, has uh, that has a young woman live in their house with them uh, as an opportunity to serve the Lord and even help her serve their family. Uh, and these kind of decisions are really hard to make. Uh, and we need to have some sense of pursuing God's will for our lives in these. Yeah, I think that's a really that was a good example. I've read the the article or whatever it was that you're talking about from Jonathan Lehman, and uh, picking a house actually ended up being more expensive and had more work to be done to it and stuff. But for the sake of ministering to people, but um, that is those are some great applications of trying to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, and uh, it, it's not you can't turn to chapter and verse on that, but you can you know run it through a scriptural grid. Yeah. So we've kind of alluded to this a little bit, uh, so I'm sure this will be a short part. Uh, but uh, what is the for sure way we can know God's will for our lives, Ben? Uh, saturate our minds and our consciences with God's word. I mean, that, that's where we know he has spoken. And so that's where we look and we let it set the agenda for the kinds of things that are on our agenda. Um, and again, that's very broad and general, but... We're not going to know what's most important to God and, and the kinds of things we should be pursuing and the values that we should have if we're not listening to where he has spoken. That's right. We shouldn't expect something beyond that. Yeah, I agree with you. Scripture is the heart of it. But I think scripture with good what's called hermeneutics or Bible reading skills, you know, because I think sometimes. Well, that's true. <laughs> scripture, it can be used as a form of mysticism in itself. Uh, I mean, even knowing some people that have tried to seek God's will through randomly picking Bible verses and things like that, or just in general reading things out of context and failing to grasp how it's important to read it in this kind of context. Um, I, I've heard uh, some people jokingly refer to, I, I'm sure, a pretend story uh, where a woman was trying to find out how, what to do about a struggle in her marriage. Uh, and then she read a passage in Judges uh, that uh, talked about a woman killing a man, about a woman uh, putting a blade into a man's stomach and killing him. And then she turned to the New Testament 
and it says this is for you and your household uh, an axe rather she turned to it said this is for you and your household uh, and then she had some doubts like whether or not uh, she really needed to do this uh, and then she uh, read another passage of scripture that says now go and do this quickly and she went and murdered her husband uh, with her children alongside so now that's obviously uh, not a real story I'm sure I've heard various uh, forms of that story but I think there's a principle there that if she had read the passages in context, she never would have gone to the, that ridiculous conclusion that God was telling her that kind of thing. We need to understand God's will through knowing that the Bible was was uh, written in very intentional forms and styles. And we've talked about some of those styles, like narrative and how we uh, approach a narrative. And we need to see that when we try to find God's will from Scripture. Um and I think when we do mention Scripture in this, I mean, Scripture uh, doesn't give us the moment-by-moment guide, but gives us the far more important realities of God's universal will. Because the truth is, honestly, it's far more important whether or not you're living life in the, uh, for the glory of God uh, than whether or not you choose school A or school B. I, it's something you talked about a little bit, but I mean, it's just so true. It is far more important that we live in the live for the glory of God than which school or which job we pick. Uh, and I think with that, with Scripture being brought into that, you know, there might be some other ways that we can helpfully find God's will. But we need to check all of that with Scripture because Scripture is the ultimate authority on Christians, the clear way that God reveals himself to us. I think that was a very important nuance to bring in. And, so, and that's, I mean, ultimately, I completely agree with you. Uh, what I had in mind is just that you're taking in kind of the full scope of Scripture, just taking it in, taking it in, thinking about it, meditating on it, and you're going to see, okay, these things in Scripture are the most important to God. And so, therefore, that's what's going to become most important to me. And not sort of, I, I've heard someone call it lucky dipping. You just sort of thumb it open and go, boom, <laughs> okay, what is, you know, what's God's will for me today? Uh, and that's that's treating the Bible as a magic book. It's not yeah. treating it it's on its own terms. And it's not, it's not God's attention for how we are to read his revelation. Um, but, but yeah, I think you brought up some really important things. Um, I, it's, I, this whole thing reminds me of a conversation I had with a friend recently. He was here in town visiting. He, I went to high school with him. He's a good friend. And now he lives in Norway. And um, at some point he was doing he was keeping the books for this missions agency that had a pretty strong bent uh, towards charismatic theology from what I understand. And they had some sort of housing available for people that were working <laughs> for the mission. And the trouble was not everybody was paying their rent. And so they called this meeting to discuss it. And they brought in some financial guy who was a believer to, to talk about this. And he yeah. was going to give everybody some case studies to talk about, kind of start with a uh, softball question. And so he said, well, let's say that um, – you, you've got your, this set of bills to pay, and then the Holy Spirit tells you you need to buy a new iPhone. Do you A, buy the new iPhone, or do you B, wait and save and then make sure you can pay your bills and then eventually buy the new iPhone? And like everybody in the group said, well, you go buy, a new, you go buy the new iPhone because that's what the Holy Spirit said. He said, well, what, why not save and this and that? They said, well, I mean the Holy Spirit didn't give any qualifications. He just said buy the new iPhone, so that's what I need to do. And, you know, these people who clearly had uh, a passion and a zeal to serve the Lord, they were doing some kind of missions in a foreign context, uh, but just not really applying good hermeneutics, like you're saying, yeah. and uh, or just really much wisdom. Um, but, it, I mean, it was just an entertaining story hearing that and going, oh, my goodness, really? But And no offense to our charismatic friends. I, not not portraying all people that, you know, um, have that kind of theology wouldn't make that decision, but yeah, absolutely. Beyond scripture, can we have a hundred percent confidence in God's will? A hundred percent is really high certainty. <laughs> I think that there yeah. can be uh, a confidence that that something seems wise. It seems a step of trusting Him, um, but I think it's a dangerous thing to start saying, you know, God told me this, so I know I know this is right. Um, because if you're wrong, the old covenant at least called for you to be stoned. 
Now, yeah. <laughs> maybe under the new covenant and Christ fulfilling the old covenant, you're released from that. So there's some grace there. But I think it's still it's just a dangerous thing when you start saying, God told me I need to make X, Y, Z decision. Um, you may say, I think this would please the Lord. But there needs to be a, an appropriate level of, of humility and going, well, you know, I may be wrong on this, but this this, this what seems this seems to be a good decision. And so I'm going to go forward with it and, you know, and then trust the Lord with it. But say 100% unless it deals with something, you know, should I cheat on my wife or not? Well, well, there's no question. But when it gets into those more uh, gray areas where Scripture does not specifically address the kind of car you buy, then I guess 100% seems a little bit uh, arrogant. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. So I I agree. We can't know for 100% by any stretch. Uh, And actually, you know, I've read uh, some authors that want to say, you know, God definitively without question speaks to us in these kinds of ways. But, you know, uh, God's revelation to us, like in dreams and stuff like that, is 100% we have confidence in. But just as like it's clear revelation of God, but it's a lesser revelation in the Bible. I think the problem with that, uh, the the nature of why the Bi- we have the Bible that we have is we, we gather the books of the Bible that were recognized to be 100% with confidence, the Word of God. To, they don't like um, rank that God's revelation, clear, God's clear definitive revelation. Uh, it's No, it's based upon whether or not it is the definitive revelation at all. And therefore, we take all of the revelation of God as equally from God and equally true. So I think if we did have any other thing that we could have 100% certainty that is God revealing himself to us, We'd have to add it to the Bible. It would have to be, uh, you know, the 67th book of the Bible. But I don't think that can be the case because I think the canon of the Bible, which the canon of God's total revelation, uh, that is 100% authoritative is what I mean when I say the canon of the Bible, is closed. We don't have anything else. We won't need anything else until the new, we, until we come to God in the new heavens and new earth. Uh, but I mean, you brought up the prophet being wrong thing, and that's something I thought of too. You know, I mean, the people that have this great confidence, uh, I mean, they are wrong a lot, uh, and they can bank a lot of confidence <laughs> in it. But uh, I, that's not a biblical understanding of God's revelation by any stretch of the imagination. I like to say a lot of these other kinds of ways that we find God's will. Sometimes I like to describe them as being like a tired conversation. And what I mean by that is I remember a time uh, when I was in college, Daniel and I had just been married, and so we were uh, living on college uh, married housing. And there was like this there was a like a plastic water fountain thing, like some Zen water fountain thing that we that we got into our wedding registry. Just kind of relaxing. And I was working long shifts. I was working in college. I was working often late into the night security. And I one night when I wasn't working, I woke up in the middle of the night and I could have sworn Danielle told me to disassemble uh, this little water uh, piece and to put it in the sink. Uh, and so I did that. Uh, and then the next day, Danielle wondered why this uh, water fountain thing is in the sink. Why is it torn apart and just sitting in the sink? Uh, and I said, well, I, you told me to do it. Uh, and Danielle didn't actually tell me to do it. Now, most of the time when I've been tired and uh, my wife has told me things uh, when I'm tired, most of the time I'm pretty accurate. But I'm not going to have 100% confidence uh, that I know what was really said to me or what I said when I'm super, 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 super tired and I need to get to sleep. And I think in a lot of ways that's a good analogy for God's revelation to us in other ways beyond Scripture. If that makes sense. Uh, That is a good, helpful way. That's a good, helpful way of looking at it. And I think in practice, when you're constantly looking for some sort of extra biblical kind of thing, in practice what happens is that you put the Bible on the shelf and then you just want the direct revelation because it feels more immediate and close and special. And it's like God told me out of all the people in the Mm -hmm. world, he told me this. And so it just feels, um, yeah, just more special and we all like to feel special. And so, um, I mean, I get the impulse, um, and I've done it myself. So, you know, I'm not, not saying that we're trying to put people down, but I think that's what yeah. ends up happening in practice is that we just close the Bible. But then why doesn't the Bible tell our teenage daughter 
where to go to college and why doesn't it tell our six-year-old son that's just got a new house which room that should be his room in the house? <laughs> um, I guess in the end, I don't know. But for one thing, if it did, it would be a book for which all the world couldn't hold the pages uh, because <laughs> of all the specifics. Uh, you know, John talks about uh, if if all Jesus's miracles are recorded, the whole world couldn't contain the pages. Um, but you know, I, the Bible, fueled by the Holy Spirit, makes us wise to live life well in God's world. Um, and I've been reading a, an old, somewhat old book now, but uh, J.I. Packer's Knowing God, and just providentially came across this recently, uh, where he talks about when he gets into God's attributes that he shares with us, he talks about God, how God um, gives us his wisdom. And he said, some people think of God's wisdom as looking, uh, being at the, the, a train station that's in control of all the different uh, tracks, and they can close something off and keep it from going to a certain place. And they just, they can see the whole landscape of what's going on. And that God sharing his wisdom with us is like being at that vantage point. And yeah. we know why God did this or that. And he said, it's that's really not what God has promised to give us. And there's a lot of things we just don't know why he did it, and we shouldn't expect him to tell us. It's more like learning to drive. And so we may not know why the person in front of us did something stupid or something aggressive or whatever. It's just we're going along, and if this thing happens, we learn how to respond and how to make the right choices along the way. Um, and so I think that is a good analogy for what Scripture does for us as, as we in faith look at it and the Holy Spirit um, – changes us and shapes us and conforms our mind and our heart and our desires um that's its function it's not just this uh like a spell book where okay if i want to cast a spell to do x y or z i turn to this page um but again it's just being shaped to be the kind of person to have the kind of character that pleases god yeah so I'm going to say something that might be a little controversial, so don't uh, turn off the podcast if you're listening. Trigger uh, warning, trigger exactly. warning. <laughs> uh, these decisions <laughs> that we're bothered by, that we wish that God would give us a definitive will for our lives in, almost all the time, these aren't as big or important as we treat them. Uh, they, I mean, so as an example, the reality is, Honestly, whether or not you go, you go to Harvard or whether or not you go to community college is nowhere near as big of a decision or as important of a decision as you treat it as. Uh, and what I mean by that, you know, the, the far bigger decisions are how we live our life morally, how, uh, we, how we see our life as spiritual investment into eternity. Uh, you know, so in that, it doesn't really make nearly the difference of whether or not you're a farmer or if you're a uh, that mathematician, then whether or not you're moral, whether or not you have integrity, whether or not you uh, cheat on your taxes or not. Uh, and even like when you look at something else, like, I mean, people want to know, I mean, what's God's will? We have the big uh, Democratic primary going on. What's God's will for me in voting even? And I've heard it said by some good leaders in Nine Marks and podcasts even uh, that what you vote for uh, in the church act of disciplining another person that's inactive on repentance sin, your vote there is dramatically more important than your vote for who should be president. And it's not something that we tend to think about, but it's true. And, you know, with the vote for church discipline, the Bible is very clear on the principles that should apply there. It's not as clear on how we should vote in regards to global warming and taxation policies and things like that. Because honestly, they're not as significant as we act like they are when compared to things that are eternal. Uh, but I also think uh, that uh, and the, some of these decisions feel big and can be big relative to the moment. Uh, and the truth is sometimes multiple paths are good and legitimately in God's will. Uh, so when you think about, you know, what's God's will for my life? Should I go to a Harvard or should I do community college? It's not definitively the case that, uh, I mean, if I were to choose wrong, if I were to guess wrong, that I'm out of God's will. 
I mean, we can be in God's will for making a variety of decisions that are God-glorifying. When we're seeking to make that decision in a way that honors him, uh, rather than in a way that just meets our own self-interest. So it's not just a matter of, you know, that we have to be terrified we're going to step off of this path, this bridge that's God's will for our life all the time. Mm, Yeah, there's a lot of freedom. And I think one thing I will add real quick, too. Uh, I think if God, the Bible did address all of these kinds of things, I think we would tend to see God's will as a puzzle to solve rather than as uh, really his revelation for of himself. The Bible would be about solving the exact puzzle of putting my life together in the right pieces rather than a walk with God, uh, life committed to glorifying God and, and trying to make hard decisions for his glory. Yeah, it's good. Can we have any sense of God's will for our lives in these kinds of things that we brought up, some of these alternative ways of finding God's will? Uh, So assuming you're not going to do the entrails method, um, (laughs) you pray for wisdom in your choice and be humble um, and seek to keep in step with the Spirit. I mean, pray that your eyes are open to see where he's at work. Um, in Galatians 5, it talks about the keeping in step with the Spirit. It's this military term that the Spirit is is working, and it's right after the, the passage talking about the fruit of the Spirit. I think so kind of contextually uh, producing this kind of stuff in in the lives of believers. And so how can you express the fruit of the Spirit in, in various ways? Um and run it through the grip of God's word. Ask questions like, is this going to, to help me love the Lord? Or what are my motives in this? Uh, is this helping me to love other people? How the relationships that are involved that may have, this decision will affect? Um, what's at stake there? Will this help me or hinder me in serving people? Is this wise? Does it give grace to those around me? Um, does this help me to steward the resources that God has entrusted to me wisely? Uh, is this going to help me to be generous? Or is this going to be hindering me from being generous? I mean, those are, just, are some of the kinds of things to think about, but run it through that. And that's, I mean, I've just said it multiple times, though, about taking what is God's agenda. Uh, and I guess it's, in a way, trying to to extract a, a whole Bible theology. What is most important to God in our lives? Um, and it's, it's in the end, it's not whether we go to community college or Harvard, though that may factor in, that's not the biggest decision we're going to face. Um, and so it's looking at that and then going, okay, how, how does this fit into what God has put me on, on this planet for? Um, in some ways it's, it's just very general, but, um, I think it's, I think it's biblical. Yeah. I strongly agree with you. Uh, and I do think sometimes some of these things uh, can play a role. But I think far more than that, uh, when we do talk about Scripture and these kinds of things, I think even though the Bible doesn't overtly answer, like, what kind of job, like you talked about, or, you know, where you go to college, or where you buy your house, I think there are often scriptural principles at play that we ignore. And you brought up some of them. Uh, but I might even think of, you know, we have uh, se- uh, several seniors in our youth group. Uh, that are coming into seniors that are about to make a decision about where to go to college. Uh, And the Bible doesn't tell you go to Cornell or go to University of Texas. Uh, But I think there are biblical principles that might help you make that decision wisely. Uh, Ones that we do ignore, like, for example, you know, uh, looking into whether or not there's a healthy church that you can plug into and grow in Christ at Mm -hmm. one school more than there is the case of the other. Something that very few people think about, uh, which I don't think the Bible ever says overtly, you know, you go to this town because this church is the best. But I think there's a principle that church involvement is often far more important than even collegiate involvement. And so you need to make those decisions by valuing that kind of thing. Uh, And so there are lots of ways I think those uh, kind of decisions do become scriptural decisions, even when we don't act like they are. Yeah, I agree. I mean, ultimately, I think God cares more about where we're going to church and what what other believers we are partnered with to to help each other follow him um, than— you know, he's more concerned about our spiritual affairs than the career path that we take, how much money we make, and those kinds of things. And so um, we just don't view it that way. We, we view those other things as much more important because they seem such so much more immediate. Yeah. 
Uh, what are some of the other ways that we can imperfectly discern God's will? We've established that it's imperfect, uh, but what are some imperfect ways that we legitimately can discern God's will? Well, there's always the Google and Instagram and Facebook al- <laughs> algorithms that are out there. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I think you talk to Enneagram? wise people, not f- – <laughs> I mean, I think there can be a number of tools that help you to understand yourself and other people. Um, but yeah, let's not treat them as gospel. Um, but talk to wise people, not fools. Um, you know, you, you genuinely have to be careful about who you're taking perspective from. And I was actually talking to someone recently about this that uh, had a, it's a very close friend who would claim to be a believer, but whose life dramatically says otherwise. And even the, the person I was talking to you know, would make that, that claim. Um, and so the, the person I was talking to acknowledged that whenever I asked this friend for advice on kind of significant life issues, I do, I have to knowingly be careful because I know it's not coming from a God centered perspective. And so, well, there, I mean, it's not wrong to ask someone cause you may get some valuable insight, but because they may be just thinking about things you don't, but just talking to wise people who the outcome of their life is going well and they're they're pleasing the Lord and saying, okay, what do you think about this? I think you evaluate the circumstances as well. Um, you know, this may be a simple thing, but say, you know, I think like the iPhone thing I talked about earlier. Um, you can't necessarily point to a chapter and verse about that. But and maybe the Holy Spirit wants them to buy an iPhone, but He also He has said that we're supposed to uh, to pay our debts to others. Um, so maybe you could put a chapter and verse on that one. But just looking, go. I don't have enough money to buy the iPhone and the other things I've already been obligated myself too. So I need to take care of those obligations. Then maybe I can worry about the iPhone. Um, but just looking at those, and God has given us uh, a brain that can evaluate things, and we also have faith in the Holy Spirit, and we're, we're depending on Him. And so, I mean, those are just two basic things I think you want to evaluate and consider. What, would you add something to that? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so, one thing I will say that kind of really concurs with what your statement about finding wisdom in other people is really especially wisdom in the church. So, And I think that's even biblical. Uh, for, so um, the Apostle Paul wrote uh, to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.14, do, do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. And which I think is really interesting because like when we talk about like God's will and God's calling, even like in ministry perspective, for example, we see it as like primarily like God revealing to us. But we see with Timothy uh, mm, that... Me individually. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was not that kind of individual, and said it was collective, uh, a collective act where the church really affirmed. The church saw the gifting that Timothy had, and the church affirmed it. That doesn't mean the church had 100% certainty. That doesn't mean he, they saw his soul and knew that he was legitimately regenerate. They, that doesn't mean that they saw that he'd be the world's best pastor through God revealing a sign in the sky somehow. But it meant that they saw him, and they knew him, and that they affirmed what uh, God was doing in his life. And I think there's a lot of times where that can be the case. And, you know, and even thinking about things well uh, beyond things like ministry, you know, that choice of the home. I mean, that uh, financial decision about whether or not uh, a second family member should have a full-time job. I mean, I think the church, our leaders in the church, your small group in the church can speak truth in your life. And by seeing your situation and by seeing how they, based upon their knowledge of you, how they think you can glorify God. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in following that at many times. Uh, But further, I think there are times where, uh, you know, God might reveal himself imperfectly uh, through um, uh, kind of our own redirected will in prayer. So I, I think of an example in my life, actually. Where when I was in this is this is silly, but when I was in college, um, after my freshman year, uh, I started kind of pursuing my my uh, wife now, uh, and uh, was interested in her. And the trouble was, well, she was uh, she just broken up with my best friend at the time, and uh, and I so I honestly. 
I was praying that God would rev- that uh, God would take away uh, my interest in Danielle if it's not right. If it, if this is just going to be a bad situation, and you know, I don't have a hundred percent. I God did not take that away. God only uh, that it was only amplified, and I don't have a hundred percent confidence that that meant that God was somehow communicating through that. But I think you know. I have some degree of confidence. I mean, God does answer prayer, and you know, and I and I was willing to kind of take a step uh, with that. Uh, and so I don't think it's perfect, but it perhaps can be a helpful way to approach things. And I do think, like even a more extreme one, I can be kind of uh, suspicious of dreams and visions, but. I don't think it's unbiblical to say it's possible that God might tell you uh, a specific thing that the Bible doesn't answer for you through a dream or vision. It may be the case that God tells you which career to choose, which uh, which godly woman to pursue in marriage if you're a godly man uh, through a dream or a vision. We can't have perfect confidence in it, but maybe that is the case. How does the local church help young people discern God's will, Ben? First, I think just teaching them well from God's Word and helping show them, uh, help them learn how to apply it to their lives. And again, this is kind of what's implicit in the teaching them well. It's teaching them the full counsel of God. In Acts, I believe it's 19, Paul's talking to the Ephesian elders. He's not going to see them again, and he talks about that, but, you know, teaching uh, that he gave them the full counsel of God. And so you're, you're showing them what's most important in the Bible and not— just uh, we should be nice, we should share. Again, those are good things. We should be kind, we should share, be generous. Um, but just sort of the topical, just pick a thing, and here's a character trait, um, moralistic kind of stuff that we have criticized, hopefully charitably, on this podcast uh, a lot. But just show this is what life is about. This is what God is doing in history. This is the greater story of what he is doing. <clears throat> and so teaching them that, but also teaching them how to, to take Scripture and to to run it through uh, what's going on in life. And you mentioned something about this earlier about uh, some situation, and we may not even – oh, about you know the local church and where you're going to go to college. Um, we may not think that's a, a biblical thing, but actually there is biblical principles at play. It just, I guess, helping them to ask better questions about what's going on in their decision-making um, – you know, and just major on the majors, and so they see, okay, this is this is what life is about, um, and even just teaching them directly about decision making in light of God's revelation, um, and modeling that well for them. That's good. So, yeah, I don't have really much to add to that, but I mean, I do really want to affirm. I mean, mentioning even the church ethics, I think that is such a vital thing. And, and how we help and how we equip people to make good decisions is through those who go off, those who leave our, the young people leave us, helping them to find a right and godly place that's going to teach in the Bible. So one thing I think very little then uh, that uh, that I know of some church being able to do is just equipping young people to go on sites like ninemarks.org, which isn't, you know, it's not perfect. It doesn't definitively know what's going on in every church, but it can be a great resource rather than, you know, Googling the closest church near me or uh, like what I did my first uh, Sunday uh, when I was in college, literally just driving the main, main highway until I found a church uh, that had the service time at the time that they want to go to church. That's so is ninemarks. <laughs> So is Nine Mark sponsoring this episode today? No, <laughs> we clearly have a strong opinion of them. So they they are very good. They are so. And how can parents help their kids discern God's will? Well, I think parents can again teach them just basic principles about life, about how God intends us to live as His people, um, and emphasizing that the building of godly character which then issues out in godly actions that that's really the biggest deal. I and mean, we've said a couple of times, but you know, God cares more about your, your moral life than he does about some other decision that you might make. Not saying he doesn't care about the other thing, but you know, in, in first Peter, uh, I've just been there a lot lately, the past month plus, um, Peter sort of sums up, he's quoting Psalm 34, but he's talking about how to live a life that pleases God. And in, 
in Psalm 34, it talks about here's what the fear of the Lord is. It's you run away from evil and you pursue good. I mean, it's it's that bare bones. Like, th- this is what pleases the Lord. And so trying to cultivate a character that wants those good things and hates those evil things. Um, Romans 13, 14 mentions that to, to uh, make no provision for the flesh and its lust, but put on Christ. Um, you're, you're running from evil and running towards the good. And it's the put off, put on. Uh, God cares more about how you treat your sister than the kind of job you get. Um, yeah. He cares more that you have a thankful heart than that you get into to Harvard. Um, and he cares that you're loving and building up his people more than he cares about how much money you make in your career. And so teaching them about what's going on in their heart and then what issues out of their life, out of their mouth, uh, that that is really um, – that that is God's will for you. And spend more time working on that than some of these other decisions that – Again, they're important, but that is more life and death than what college you choose or uh, who you marry. Yeah, I think that is so vitally important. And, and yeah, parents, I mean, uh, parents that are listening to this, which that's most of the people who listen to our podcast. Uh, and uh, I mean, just keep that in mind. Keep in mind that the far more important thing you're going to equip them in is discerning God's will and ways that he clearly reveals himself in Scripture. Uh, but beyond that, I think you do have such an important role in helping them uh, to discern some of these little choices, uh, some of these choices that are very particular to them. Uh, so, you know, I know of a set of parents that have a son that's super techie, uh, you know, really into technology, really gifted at that kind of stuff, and really good at, like, uh, modern media type stuff. And, you know, they've encouraged him based upon seeing his strengths and talents uh, that, you know, I th- they think that God is calling him, God is directing him to use those gifts to serve uh, by helping uh, run the slides and stuff like that at church and sacrificing his time by doing that kind of thing. And and that might seem small, but I think that is a hugely relevant way that parents help uh, their kids discern God's will. And that kind of thing of knowing your kid in a way that they don't know themselves sometimes can really help them understand what God is really gearing them, directing them towards. Yeah, that's a good that's a really good angle because uh, yeah they're just they're inexperienced by nature of having lived less life and um, yeah, yeah that's just helping them to become wise uh, like that and how is constantly worrying about God's will for our lives unhealthy and ungodly or is it well I think it can certainly lead to worry and to fear and to second guessing and not actually living life just kind of this paralysis by analysis um, I've to again to quote our, our sponsor for today, Nine Marks Ministries. Uh, I've heard Mark Dever talk about that sort of the new bondage. It's this new legalism that I've man, I've got to know the exact particulars and all the details of God's spe- specific will, and that's can lead to inaction. And, and I think he's right. I mean, I've seen that at play even in my own life, but also in the lives of others. Um, and I think too, I mean, it can ultimately question God's goodness. And his providential rule and care for your life and his his sovereignty and his control. It's like, well, you know, what if I mess this up and it's going to just derail God's plans? And, I, and and maybe putting giving yourself more importance and power than you really have. Uh, but it can just kind of be chipping away, questioning at God's goodness and his character. Yeah. So I think it's also kind of pagan, to be honest. Uh, realistically, I mean, I think the approach is seeing God's will as something that we are to uh, discern God's specific will, like a decree from the sky and everything from uh, what we're to f- for lunch tonight to uh, what we need to do for a career. Uh, we actually, when I was in Philadelphia for a youth mission trip, uh, a lady that didn't know Jesus, we believe, uh, had offered uh, to read uh, some cards to tell uh, some of our adult leaders their future. And and we would obviously identify that as pagan. But how substantially different is that than some of the other ways that we try to obsessively determine God's will for our lives? I mean, it's connected more from a pagan understanding of deity rather than from a transcendent God uh, that is also imminent. Uh, but yeah, it is exhausting it's and anxiety-inducing. I mean, I don't know anyone who discerns that. I mean, that's just not exhausted from it. It's just so much easier to, you know, say, I'm going to make a decision uh, in light of what glorifies God 
And if I ended up at, at the non-perfect college, so be it. If I end up in the non-perfect career or the non-perfect house, so be it, you know? Or even with the, the non-perfect spouse, um, just the idea of the um, – again, I think that God does permit, uh, decree, and ordain all things that come to pass, but he doesn't let us behind the curtain to see all of those things ahead of time. And so that, yes, in the end, who we marry or what house we live in, that God is in charge of that, but that he doesn't uh, give us those direct messages. So is Madam Cleo, has she been relegated to – uh, street vendor level now, or she's still in prison? <laughs> I do not know, unfortunately. So I need to look that up sometimes. Oh, uh, okay. So. I think further, I'll add also, though, I think this is so theological because this constantly worrying about God's will for our lives uh, is, is really makes God kind of a cruel God, you know. Uh, God is kind of mysterious mm-hmm. and that we have to tap into the mystery. We have to, you know, enable, we have to do so much yes work. I mean, it makes God really kind of cruel that he has these hidden things for us. And if we don't do exactly the right kind of magical steps and processes, then we're going to miss it, you know. Uh, it's like God is, uh, I mean, God is the one that has the, uh, it's like God's playing that cup game where you put like a dice in a cup and you move three cups around, you know. Uh, that's basically how God is acting like in those kind of system, that kind of theology. And that's not the kind of God that we worship. Uh, instead, God is actually sovereign, not mystical. And there's a big difference between being mystical and sovereign. Sovereign means that God allows us to make choices, but he's sovereign in using even when we make sinful choices so that we might grow and that we might have opportunities to glorify him. Not the mystical God where if we step off the plank, if we step off the tightrope of his will, we're going to be lost for good. Mm. That's, yeah, that's good. I mean, the Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our, to our children mm. that we may observe them. Yeah. And I think that does apply. Now, uh, to close this out, what happens if we take the wrong turn and miss God's best will for our lives? Just give up. I mean, you've just derailed it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> No, I, I think, I mean, if you think you have messed up, you can repent for the lack of wisdom, for disobedience, whatever it may be. Go back to the cross and the resurrection. Remember Jesus. Uh, ask for his grace to do the next right thing and that you that he helps you to make his priorities your own. Uh, and talk to somebody. Ask them to encourage you to provide some accountability to you for some perspective. But you, you just go on. And go. You remember, you don't stand or fall by the quality of the decisions you make. Certainly, you want to grow in making wiser choices and to discerning what pleases the Lord, what is best. Paul praised that for the Philippians chapter one. Um, but you just you try to go do the next right thing, depending on the the strength and the power and the wisdom that the Spirit gives. Yeah. So I actually came from, when I was led to the Lord, the church that I was involved in, there was times in which there's kind of this pressure in the theology around it, that if you make this wrong turn, you're going to miss God's blessing. If you mess up and, and you choose a slightly wrong decision, and uh, especially on big things like career, on college, on who you're to marry, that God's not really going to bless. Even like this mentality, like God has one spouse. God has chosen one person for you. And if you miss that out, you're just not going to have a blessed life. Uh, and But actually, the Bible, and the Bible, the only way uh, Scripture knows of wrong turning is sinning or ignoring the clear word of God. You know, the Bible has no concept that we make the wrong turn by living in Indiana as opposed to Texas, unless we're living in Indiana to rebel against God's call uh, for us to uh, plug into Texas. You know, uh, I'm just kidding. It was the kind of reference to Jonah. We don't. We're not prophets. God doesn't definitively declare that to us in a way that we can 100% know. But I mean, that's really. I think the truth mm-hmm. is the only way that we can know that we've made a wrong turn. The only clear way to make a wrong turn is by sinning and ignoring the Bible. Uh, I mean, even if we do the, even that kind of act, even if we sin in a horrible way, even if we kill somebody, uh, 
God isn't done with us, and he works his will through us, even when we screw up dramatically. He's not, you know, we're not outside of his blessings. God still loves us, cares for us, and lets his glory run through us. I mean, I think of the example of like Charles, that Chuck Colson, uh, who uh, did a lot of work mm. in prison ministry, not to enjoy was everything he's ever done, uh, but, you know, he definitely messed up. He definitely was out of God's will when he broke the law. <laughs> Uh, but God works through him <laughs> anyway, you know. Yeah, I think that's great insight. And again, it, it like it makes you stronger than God. It's kind of like, well, who are you that you can derail the plans of God? Um, it's that song in Christ Alone at the end that you know, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from His hand. And that's talking about just you're secure with Christ. But I think it, it, in a way, you can make it apply to this just in the details of life. That that you can't mess it up, and, and ultimately the devil can't. Um, and so, trust in a good, sovereign God. That's great. Good word. So, well, you have a wonderful day, and uh, I was glad to discuss you God's will for our lives. And uh, you know, and I think that's a hugely important topic. God did not tell tell us to pick this topic. God did not reveal it uh, from on high that we need to have this conversation. But I'm glad that we did, nonetheless. Yes, I'm glad we did. It was it was good, fruitful discussion. So thanks. All right, God bless. And thanks to Nine Marks, our sponsor for today. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.